Amaze. Amaze. Amazed to discuss this book with you. Oh my gosh. Like, we've been waiting to read this book for a while. I, we both had it on hold at the library, and we were waiting for it to come up available for us. And we have only ever read one book by Andy Weir before. And I loved it when you got it for me. I wouldn't even have called myself a sci-fi fan at the time. And now... That's all you want to read. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's true. That's right. So welcome back to another special science fiction edition at the Apartment Library. <laughs> yeah. And as we've probably made it pretty clear, this time we read... Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, published in 2021. It's his third book, like we said, The Martian. You got The Martian for me. Was it for my birthday? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I remember of all the books you could have gotten me, you got me this thing that I'd never heard of. The cover was beautiful. And I got excited. I started reading it and I got super excited. This is awesome, right? And that you could say it was definitely... So it's your fault. I guess it's your fault. You sparked my love for hard sci-fi. Aww. But that was a while ago that we read that, and there was a period of time when you didn't read sci-fi. Yeah, I mean, I read all kinds of crap, but like, I think I got like excited over the years. I think it was not too long after that that I found the subreddit, and I asked about it, because I remember I... I don't think I'm, I must not have come across the term hard science fiction or it hadn't made an impression on me until the point when I asked online on the print SF subreddit, like, what are your favorite realistic, believable science fiction? Because in my head, like, science fiction was this, like, lasers and space, Star Wars, pew, pew, you know, like, yeah. it's kind of lame, right? And that's like the, a lot of that comes from, you know, like the, say 70s and 80s movie depictions of 1950s ish golden age of science fiction right with like all the lasers and sexism that you could ever want and somebody said kim stanley robinson tried that and i tried one of those books and it blew my mind i i remember thinking holy fuck what like how did i not know that i would love this i love science fiction and film but I love the aspect of this being realistic. And Project Hail Mary, despite its few faults, is hard as fuck science fiction. <laughs> or as the character would say, hard as heck science fiction. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that rubbed me, that rubbed me the wrong way, I, I swear. Yeah, that's one. I mean, if we want to start off with the little things we didn't like about the book. Yeah, I, I think first... This is this this book is like a thriller, right? This yeah. this thing is a fast-paced, action-packed, page-turner, awesome, yeah. exciting. So, if you haven't read the book, why are you here? Go read the book right now. Come back later. Mm -hmm. This is your spoiler warning. Yes. From now on, we'll, we'll essentially treat like in most of our episodes. We'll treat it as if you have read the episode. Read the book. <laughs> and yeah, fucking that. that yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like you said, this book was super exciting, super addictive. Like, I just wanted to read for hours and hours on end. Shit, I'm, I'm the one who loves science fiction. Eh? Yeah. Well, I like this style of book, of sci-fi, <laughs> where it's a little bit goofy, a little bit... 
not super serious. And goofy it was. Yeah. For a book that deals with, I mean, as so many of them do now, but like a book that deals with the potential apocalypse and death of all life, not only on Earth, but beyond. Yeah, the book definitely had a, a pretty chill tone. Uh, it mirrored The Martian in some respects, but I did find that in my memory of having read The Martian some like six years ago, something like that, that it wasn't as goofy as this in some parts. I think that the character tone, the voice of the character of Ryland, he went a little too far for my taste in making him, you know, kind of a goofball. Yeah, and like sarcastic in some aspects. Yeah, and he's not like a straight up dumbass or anything, which is like cracking jokes all the time. But his voice was a little contrasting, a little jarring for my taste in this type of story because the subject matter is pretty serious, right? Yeah, he's essentially humanity's last hope for saving the Earth. Yeah. Because the sun is losing power due to astrophage, this microbe that is absorbing the sun's power, so the Earth is going to go into this crazy ice age, end of the world scenario, end of life scenario. Yeah, the astrophage are eating our life source away. Yeah. And it so, so is happening to the Iridians. Yeah, so so Ryland is literally their their one hope and he's up there in space like cracking jokes. Cracking jokes and goofing off a little bit. Mm-hmm. At, in all fairness though, at the beginning like he doesn't remember why he's there. He has no idea why he's up in space. And his memory slowly comes back, right? Yeah, I think that the tone never really changes though. No. Even when like things are going down before Project Hail Mary takes off, you know, when he's on the Chinese aircraft carrier, the tone is pretty much the same as, you know, it's like pretty it's, lighthearted. Exactly. It is pretty lighthearted. Which so that, that is, I actually like, though, okay. personally, like I, I know it might not be the most realistic, but in terms of having a fun book to read. I liked that kind of lighthearted, optimistic tone. I agree with you in some spots. It was pretty lame and pretty weird, but (laughs) I I prefer that over this super serious, like doomsday, realistic, ultra realistic book, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think I just, I found that it was more well balanced, and maybe on us upon a second read, I would change my mind. But I feel like, just going off memory, that it was better balanced in The Martian. Mm -hmm. That in The Martian, the guy had jokes and he was sarcastic and he was kind of like, you know, sort of like the same as Ryland. He was throwing little lines here and there to himself more than anything. And I'm kind of like that. I'm walking around the apartment just saying random shit all the time, right? So, like, I can kind of understand the the impulse. It's just here it felt a little jarring, especially the fact that, like, you know, he, he didn't swear, you know, because he's, like, a high school teacher or, like, a, a middle school, a middle school teacher. He's got kids. So he doesn't swear. And he's got, like, all these, like, super cringy <laughs> type of, like, really expressions. Cringe. And, yeah. So it was cute in a way. I guess in in that sense it was a, a bit cute, but yeah, some of the dialogue from him is a, was a bit weird. Like 
in a scenario where there's this really terrible thing that happened, he's like, oh, darn, or darn it, <laughs> or, you know, what the heck? And yeah. it just seemed odd. Like, yeah. if you were up in space about to die and humanity was about to die because of you, I don't think you'd be like, darn it. And yeah, just, I th- yeah, that is kind of the, one, of the, one of the weaknesses of the book, I think. Even when he's not in space by himself, but, like, when he goes to the very first meeting on the aircraft carrier and they pre-brief him, mm-hmm. essentially. They just give him, like, the very basic information that, like, they, they essentially require his opinion or something on something. And Strat tells him, okay, we got what we needed you for. Now fuck off. And he's like, but, but I want to know more about, like, projects. He sounds like a fucking seven-year-old. A whiny you know? little kid. Yeah, he wants, like, a whiny kid. Like, that just, that didn't, that pulled me out, you know? It's little yeah. things that pull you out. It's like bad acting in a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't fit because it's, insert negative adjective here. It's fake. It's poorly done. It's childish, you know? Yeah. Here, it was a bit fake, right? Like, the yeah. dialogue, the character uh, character development in, in some parts, it, it sort of... Felt a little. It felt. It fell a little flat. Yeah, I agree with you. Like there, there was those little things here and there that I, I kind of chuckled to myself because it was not how I would have pictured the scene going in reality. Mm-hmm. But I mean, those are to me at least, those are very minor, minor things that, in the grand scheme of the whole book, almost lends a bit of like. Charm. It's almost a bit charming, a bit endearing to have this, you know. <laughs> It'll certainly certainly be memorable yeah, because yeah. of that as well. As a whole, I think we'll remember this book fondly. I don't think that that would like hamper my memories. No, of it. not at all, not at all. But yeah, I, I, I think that it would, it could have used a, a slightly more aggressive editor's hand to make it a little more serious in that aspect because the rest of the book felt so real and... Mm-hmm. The adventure is real, even though it is very much that, an adventure. It's crazy the things that happen in this book, you know, like all the trouble that they get in, all the technical aspects of the ship and the feats that they have to do, that crazy maneuver that they have to do to collect the Taumiba mm-hmm. from... Adrian. Adrian, the planet that they called Adrian. Yeah. And I'm I'm 90% sure that that's him call it naming that planet after after adrian tchaikovsky because like the parallels with that book and his those are like oh. well i actually i did read a comment on no. reddit in the ama with andy weir and he said he named it adrian because in the rocky movies <laughs> um rocky's <laughs> wife is called adrian and in the book Ro- rocky the alien names the planet after his mate so Aww, that's the that's... parallel there I, f- I think you told me that already. Yeah. Okay. Well, but maybe never, it's like a mind. double. Maybe it was, well, I mean, it was a would, happy coincidence that it's also <laughs> after Adrian. I think he would have said, but yeah. I mean, yeah. just because like the very first thing that he describes the alien with when Rylan sees the alien in full, he says it was a spider. Yeah. Right. And I was like, Children of Time, mm-hmm. Adrian Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> Uh, it's not a copy of Children of Time in any way. However, it did have a very, very stark callback to the movie Arrival. Yeah. The first contact with aliens. Literally, there are the humans on one side of this plastic or glass or translucent barrier, and the uh, the aliens are on the other side, 
and there's a scene where they both touch the glass. They're learning each other's language while they both remain on their side of the glass and seen on it in this case. It's, it's I remember reading that scene those few pages because it's quite a bit like they spent quite a time quite a bit of time in the, on the tunnel mm-hmm. I the entire time I was like this is a rival yeah this I was thinking the same thing he rival. must have been inspired by that yeah for sure because it's so similar and that's I mean like that's a movie that we absolutely love so I don't fault them so, no like, they not say, at all imitation is the most sincere form of flattery yeah and that is true that that movie is absolutely fantastic and. The short story or novella, I guess. Novelette? I don't know. I haven't read You Have because I got it for your birthday. Yes. And it was very good from what I remember. But yeah, speaking of Rocky, oh my god, I love Rocky. That's so cute. I think he's like one of my favorite characters in a book in recent memory, to be honest. I just, I love him so much. (laughs) I just love how like he's perseveres and he remains positive and he's so happy to have a friend in Ryland and he's so helpful and so humble and I just love him yeah and I love their their like friendship yeah, the relationship yeah. for sure it was it was awesome I liked a lot that he didn't turn it into a caricature at least not I didn't perceive it to be so he could have just as easily gone for the comedy with the friendly alien, which happens, there is comedy, but it's well maneuvered. It's really well done. The instances of fish out of water and miscommunication and we don't understand each other because we've never seen each other type of relationship, they didn't come across as hokey or false to me. As hilariously, the relationships between humans in the book. More yeah. or less. Yeah, no, with Rocky and, and Ryland, like, it felt so real and just so believable. And, you know, I guess one part is that's a bit less believable to me is how f- quickly Ryland learned Rocky's language. Like, quickly enough that he didn't have to use the translation tool that he developed. Mm-hmm. But I can understand why, in terms of a story, it just it's easier, it's better to speed that up just for the sake of how... <laughs> it would have been much more annoying to have to draw mm. that process out, I think, of them not understanding each other yeah. super well and, and taking a while to learn Rocky's language and whatever. So I, I get why, yeah. from a writing enjoyability... For the sake of the reader, yes. for sure. But yes. however, like the author is not scared of like putting the characters in peril and face and have them face difficulties right Mm -hmm. not necessarily the crazy bombastic cinematic scenes where they're you know like at risk of crashing into the gravity well of the planet or something violent and action-packed like that but also like all the issues that they have with the taumiba escaping pretty much every container they try to put it in yeah and they have to like clean vats and figure out where it's leaking from and like that's not necessarily an action-packed thing other than you know like it's it's risking their lives but i feel like yeah that could have been it could have been discussed a little better in the book because I feel like it was mentioned i don't even remember it i just i just read this book i just finished it this morning and i don't really remember how it was that he said he had a uh, an excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. and uh, a keyboard type of device where i don't know if he was using his laptop for that to like imitate the musical notes that 
Rocky's language is made of. And he started creating a, a dictionary, a bilingual dictionary. But that was only like the one time that he mentioned that. And afterwards it was like, we just kind of like, we uh, misunderstand each other from time to time. But for the most part, I speak in English. He speaks in Iridian. And that's it. Yeah, I don't think, he, from what from what I remember and what I understood in the book, I don't think he ever tried to imitate the noises that Rocky made. Yeah. I think he just used the computer to translate the noises Rocky made into, like, this is a C, this is a D sharp, you know, like, translate it into notes, musical notes, and then from there on, it would show, okay, this combination of notes, whatever, mm -hmm. means this word. So I don't think he would ever try and produce the noises I Rocky thought, made. I thought he did. I, thought I don't, I, I, I don't thought, remember that. I'm pretty sure that he mentioned the keyboard at one point. I don't, well, maybe the keyboard for typing, but, like, not to create notes. I thought it was, I thought it was like, creating notes to, like, at the very, at, you see, that's what I mean. Like, it was at the very beginning when they started doing it, it just to establish the way in which they were able to, like, decipher each other's languages, and that's it. Afterwards, they spend a bunch of time trying to uh, build enough of a lexicon so they can communicate. And then from then on, like, they go back to the... So, like, they do spend, like, quite a... F number, and that was, like, one of my favorite parts of the book, actually, when they're in the tunnel for, like, yeah. weeks, essentially. Yeah. But it is only, like, I think two or three weeks. And I think by that yeah. point, Ryland's like, I don't need the translation tool anymore. I yeah, can, every, every so often I'll look at the spreadsheet. So often, but, but for the most part, this thing makes musical notes. Like, this alien is a fucking saxophone, but I can understand what it's saying. Yeah, and I think for Rocky, like, Rocky's intellect, <laughs> intellectual capacity is much higher than humans. So I don't think, I think for him it was much easier to learn English because he just oh, yeah. he heard the word once, this is what the word means. Okay, now I know that for Oh, yeah, not just English, anything. Like, you said, like, you yeah. didn't have to, you didn't ask questions for things that he had already learned. Yeah. Right, so like, I once, think... he was like a supercomputer in that way, which is interesting because they hadn't discovered computers. Yeah, they hadn't yeah. thinking machines, like you called them, right? So, yeah, I think, like, the tool was just for Ryland to translate Rocky's noises into musical notes and then from and then from that he would say okay he just made this noise it's these notes it means these chords, this word yeah. yeah chords or whatever for sure so yeah I, I found i think just for the sake of readability the author kind of sped up that learning process because in reality i don't think unless you're the most linguistically gifted person i don't think you could learn an alien language in two or three weeks no, not at Enough all. Enough to understand everything without having to rely on any sort of... So I get why the author sped that up. You know, it would have been boring if it was like, for five months I, you know, had to learn blah, blah, blah. So I mean, that could just be a sentence, right? Yeah. For five months we just sat there and tried to learn each yeah. other's languages and we ended up creating some clunky but useful spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. Next chapter. Yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, it, 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 could, it should have been done better considering the or i guess this kind of makes sense is that like you know uh andy where he's very adept at the things that he does really well which in this case is the hard science fiction he is not afraid to discuss and to trust the reader with concepts of physics and chemistry and biology that aren't explained at a very basic level right like you could read this book as a kid and you would have to look up some terms. I looked up, you know, all kinds of interesting scientific terms that he brought up in concepts and you name it. 
he doesn't really need you to have a background in science, but at the same time, he doesn't explain everything. There were quite a few concepts that if I hadn't Googled them, I would have understood what they meant in that instance in the book or what they meant for the story, but you don't understand what they are until like he explains them to you, essentially. He doesn't go into like explaining what infrared light is. Mm-hmm. We've all heard infrared light, but like until you start looking into it, you realize like what a bonkers physics thing that is. Yeah. Right? yeah, that's the nice part about the book is you can dig deeper if you want. You can learn more if you want, but... Yeah, you don't need a physics degree to yeah. understand the book. My point being that he wasn't afraid to explore such mm-hmm. a concept. You know, like some things that are like pretty... And you have to be paying attention to understand the relationship between astrophage, Taumiba eventually, mm-hmm. and eventually Xenonite. And like why these things are a problem. Why the problems that the characters are facing mm-hmm. occur. If you didn't pay attention while reading the book and you're just like, okay, science, science, bullshit, science, and you moved on you probably wouldn't have understood or you would have had a you, you would have had less fun reading the book yeah. once you got to the point that like those things mattered because the characters encountered a problem yeah right for sure. so in terms of the language it shows that like he didn't want to bother too much with the aspect of these two alien species coming together and figuring out each other's languages which was fucking amazing that's what made arrival so so awesome yeah that it was it was a work of literature in which linguistics took the center stage right Mm -hmm. the fact that a linguist is the protagonist in that story and that her art her her background is what's necessary to decode what the aliens need from us they need us to understand their language mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. in this one you could say it was the same thing i mean like i i did not expect that going into this book they're like oh it was like oh shit okay like the sun is dimming that's a pretty cool science fiction concept and they're gonna go out and try to fix it that's a pretty dumb thing to try and do but apparently they can do it okay that's kind of crazy and now there's a fucking alien ship. Yeah. That was one of my favorite moments. I was like, there's an alien ship. I know. That was so exciting to me when he noticed there's a ship. And like when the ship sent that cylinder, the first communication object. And it was just so exciting. Like these are aliens from a completely different solar system from far away. It was just really, really exciting to, to learn where it was going to go. Yeah, I mean, first contact has got to be one of the most exciting and at the same time accessible aspects of science fiction. And they can be treated in this way. It was like hard science fiction. It was not, and I guess that's more difficult to do that, like that Rocky and his species, I don't know, you know, if under different circumstances you could entertain the idea that like things could have gone a different way, but like one human encountering one Iridian and they're like best friends. I they're know. like, holy shit, dude. And I love the fact that like it is treated as hard science as you could. The fact that they can't share the air. Yeah, they, they have different atmospheres. In different, different levels of yeah. pressure. Like the one time that they're in the same environment, they both get really, really injured. When he tries to lift a passed out Rocky. He mm-hmm. burns his hands because Rocky lives at like hundreds of degrees. Like 200 degrees, I think. Yeah, something. his body is like yeah. boiling, frying hot. So he literally like 
roasts his hands trying to pick him yeah. up. Yeah, and I just I love how it wasn't like this threatening alien species is going to decimate us. Like, let me get my gun, sort of thing. It was like a really <laughs> nice friendship, you know, mutual helping out sort of thing. Like, I never, I never felt that it was going to take a turn in which like Rocky would all of a sudden attack Ryland or something. I just, I loved like the, just the wholesomeness mm. of, of Rocky and Ryland and, and how they work together and their jokes. And, you know, they would just, it was so sweet. Mm-hmm. I get yeah. what you're trying to say. Like, yeah, at, at no point did I think it was like, is this alien trying to screw this guy over? Is he lying about the whole, my crew is dead or whatever. I'm yeah. just, I'm just having these thoughts now because of what you just said. I never mm. had that no. like, the entire time. It's like, okay, this is just a neighbor who is facing the same problem that we are, and we're going to work together to figure it out. Yeah. He just happens to look like a spider with five legs. Yeah, it was just really, like I said, really wholesome, cute relationship between them. And they just, yeah, it was just two really smart people coming together to solve a problem. And it was just adorable. I love Rocky. I can see how other people might read this book and kind of like get... Frustrated with a lot of things. A lot of things are very convenient. In retrospect, it's so many things work out well, despite like all the issues that they face, because they yeah. do like come across all these problems. But like you could say, yeah, those are the problems that the author like makes the characters face because they already have it so easy going in, right? Mm-hmm. It could be so that like if we encountered aliens in outer space just aliens from outer space, but like in outer space with the limited resources that we would have, despite this guy having, you know, like all of the human knowledge and like multiple terabytes of whatever, that they couldn't have figured out how to communicate. You know, like somebody could make the argument or somebody for kicks could write the story in which, you know, like the aliens just try to make contact and can't. Yeah. Right. Like we, we just cannot understand each other and, any discernible way so that like eventually we're like sorry dude and you go your merry way yeah <laughs> right it, it could happen i mean it's not that, that 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 is also a very easy to entertain idea of that scenario and that it's very realistic is my point you know like so many things go wrong and so what i loved about about his book you know like and i remember reading the martian the first time and being thrilled about things going wrong and being like okay this guy's not afraid of like trying to put his characters in peril, not for the sake of, of doing so, but because that happens in real life, because a mistake gets you in trouble. Yeah, definitely. Like, Ryland is not a perfect, although he's he has lots of knowledge, like, he's he, he can do complex physics calculations. But he's he a can, microbiologist. Yeah, he's a microbiologist, <laughs> but he can also write code and, like, do physics, and you could argue... I'm sure these people exist, you know. But, but he tells you, he's like, I can't really write code, but here I'm going to, like, create a piece <laughs> of software that yeah. will put these two or three things together and will help me decode his language yes. a little faster. And I was like, so, okay, well, I, I can fucking try and fix a computer, and I understand, you know, like, some basic things about that, but I could never do that. Yeah, so my point is just that <laughs> you could argue that he's he knows a little bit too much, and he's yeah. able to solve everything that comes his way, but... He also does make mistakes throughout the book. He's not perfect. He he makes stupid mistakes 
at several points throughout the book. So he is There's only a couple of really big ones, though, right? Like, there's the one where, like, he got lucky in that, like, he left the Taumiba after they did that crazy maneuver in which they both risked their lives and they both almost died and they got really injured. And then he just left the Taumiba at, like, room temperature, like, human room temperature even though it should have been kept at minus 51 Celsius because mm-hmm. that's the environment that they collected it from. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I feel like all the, the bad things that happened to them were kind of inevitable, like they couldn't have known. I appreciate the realism in that, like, it in retrospect, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, we should have tested for that. But you can't have tested for everything. No. You know? Like, no. And, and I guess that's realistic. Like, he... He makes mistakes. He's human, and he doesn't realize that like xenonite is a an untested, unknown substance that he doesn't know what's going to happen. It's not like glass or metal or plastic that you know. I mean, if you have the the resources or if you have the knowledge, you can know. Is the point? Mm-hmm. You can know how it'll react or other things will react with it, right? And that was actually a very interesting thing. I didn't know what xenonite was it. But I know what Xeno means, right? Like the, the, the prefix Xeno. So the first time that it came up, that it was made out of Xenon, I was like, this has got to be like some, what, what is this? Some alien bullshit? Whatever. Okay, no, I looked it up and I don't have a background in science. So I didn't know that it's... The real element. Yeah, it's on the periodic table. And I was like, okay, Xenon is a thing. Why isn't that? I feel it like sounds this, like made up. Yeah, completely. it sounds fucking cool. I feel like that should be on T-shirts, you know. Yeah. But apparently, it's a it's a noble gas and it doesn't react with anything. So mm-hmm. I guess like it's boring in that way. Mm-hmm. So like that's what makes it so amazing that Rocky can make fucking balloon animals and spaceships out of like xenon and everything mm-hmm. xenon, you know. Yeah. Xenonite, sorry. Rocky's the best. That's right. And I loved like just the way the book was written, like how it how it went back and forth between. The past, like what led up to Project Hail Mary and, and what brought Ryland to the point where he's up in space. And I, I like how you kind of, you discover it as he's remembering his past. I, like whenever it flipped back to the past, I was super pumped to read that chapter. Because I really liked it. Because you learn that they already have like their chosen um, crew and they have backup mm-hmm. crew and Ryland is not part of either of those groups so you you wonder like why is so why is he the one who's up here and eventually you learn why and uh yeah i just i liked i liked the character of strat also she was pretty cool there was a few like scenes where it was like especially the one in the courtroom yeah was a bit lame and like you know like i have the american army and it's a damn fine army like that, those kind of lines i think somebody asks her like you and whose army like they got the american army bitch it's like whoa, okay, whoa calm whoa. down so yeah but, there's a bit of cheesiness here and there but... yeah i think that that is the and not to beat a dead horse but that was the weakest point in the book i feel like the character development to an extent but the relationships and the interactions between human characters and so many scenes i was kind of like why is this here in this awesome adventure thing and there's like some like dumbass comment about like how ilukina really likes her vodka strong or whatever you know or was it hobbs what was his fucking name the which one 
No, uh, Dubois, Du Bois. Yeah. They, they call him the the Americans call him Du Bois. Yeah. That last name anyway. Yeah. Like how he and his science crew member counterpart, so from the backup crew, like yeah. they like they let him know it's like we have engaged in a sexual relationship just for your information. I was like, come on. I know that was like, really cringe. Who comes? It was just fake. It just yeah. felt fake. I was like, nobody. No matter how. No, no matter, matter how like straightforward you are, yeah. No matter how peculiar this individual is, no matter how unique in their upbringing or in their background, no matter the, notwithstanding the circumstances, nobody will ever say that. Nobody would like you know you no. know. So it was just and, fake. And he interrupted like a science lesson to say, just so you know, like we're just so banging. You know, we're fucking. Yeah. So I know I agree. There were some moments. In the past. That the editor should have taken out. It was a bit weird, but I have to say, I still really enjoy that portion, like those portions of the book. Mm. Learning, like the development of Project Hail Mary, all the thought that went into it, all the training. I, I liked that part, despite the flaws. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wasn't taken to that extent. I enjoyed a lot of the exposition that came from those scenes. And to an extent, I was appreciative of it but for the most part it, it i was happy when it stopped i was happy when strat told ryland you're going on this mission you can kick and scream all you want but you're going and from then on it was only in space and i was like thank fuck we're not gonna get any more cringy interactions <laughs> you know because i yeah no i i i don't want to make it sound like it was more distracting or more annoying than I actually felt it to be. It was fine, but I hope that it would have only really gone to like a third of the book or half of the book or less than that, you know? Yeah. And then on just adventure in space mm -hmm. and figure out the actual point of the book, mm -hmm. right? Instead, it kind of went pretty much like 80 or 90% of the novel, right? Yeah, because the scene where you when you learn that Ryland was essentially drugged and forced to go on this mission, that's pretty late in the novel. Yeah, I guess you could argue, I mean, like, that's for him to, like, discover, holy shit, I didn't want to be here. Yeah. His entire thing, and that Strat was right, that I was going to be so invested in the mission that I wouldn't abandon the mission once I remembered that I was, quote-unquote, a coward. Mm -hmm. And it is, I guess, for that emotional punch, it didn't carry much for me. By that point, I was so invested in the novel, and I was so enthralled by the adventure and the story that I didn't really need that, you know? like No, to me, it was another twist that I, I personally wasn't seeing. Like, I, I didn't expect it to happen. I didn't see that coming. But, um, yeah, I mean, just the fact that you learned that so late in the book, yeah, it didn't really change anything for me. It was an element that, like I said, I didn't see coming, so it was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it's funny how like we sit, we sit down here to discuss novels, and sometimes we're like, "This is what I would have done different. This is what I would have done different." And these are discussions that like the author and the editor and the people that like they consult with, mostly the author consults with. They've already had right their conversations that like they have with themselves and with their. In this case, with his partner, like he he uh, thanked his uh, partner at the end of the book, Andy Weir, that mm -hmm. is, for helping him out in writing this book and like you know just like discussing kind of like you know if I were to sit down and write a book or you were to sit down and write a book and like we would like to share this with each other and 
they they went through this and they came to those conclusions. So it is kind of like, I would have done this different. I would have done this better. I would have done this a, a mm-hmm. different way. And yeah, I mean, it is fine. Sometimes, you know, I, I listen to a podcast where people like obviously don't get something, but they spend an hour talking about yeah. it, you know, and what that means could be, you know, dissected and argued over ad nauseum. But I, yeah, there there were, inarguably, there were some things in this book that I thought they could have been polished a little bit and they would have made this book a punchy, awesome, hard science fiction novel that, like, brings the genre forward even more so than this one already does. And it does so to a crazy extent. I think that this is a great, it was, and this is my opinion, just for the record, this book felt like it, it just needed a tweak it w- and it would have been fucking perfect. Yeah. I guess I mean, that's every book, See, though. for my taste, like, I am not interested in reading, like, a super serious sci-fi book, personally. I liked the goofy nature of this, despite the cheesiness here and there. I liked the little jokes and the little cringy moments, <laughs> despite the fact that I can criticize them and... and say that they felt a bit weird to read but looking back it kind of it makes the book really lighthearted and optimistic and fun to read like it wasn't this depressing the world's ending sort of thing it was just this really fun exciting cute story and I liked that part of it like the you know the little weird moments here and there and I just I love Rocky so much (laughs) So yeah, like I just I think that the criticisms that we talked about to me they just kind of make the book more of a fun read in a way. Like it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. I agree with it. It's that. not trying to be this like hyper realistic, serious, depressing sci-fi. It's just this fun, entertaining story that has these snappy, cool moments, some weird dialogue here and there, but it's cute. I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, I don't want to like uh, mire it down in its shortcomings, making it a less than thing because it was absolutely enjoyable. I loved reading this book more than so many others I've read in the last few years. I could easily put this in my top ten of the last few years because it's fun. It's just that like it is to me like a little infuriating when it it, it kind of like has those things where that are easily seen from a mile away you know that like an editor was totally like yeah fuck it whatever you do just do your thing i'm pretty sure that we haven't read artemis and we'll never read artemis because a lot of people just came out and said you know like okay we read this book and it's obvious that weir took his time writing the martian polished it and it was a labor of love came out amazing they made it into a good movie great and then the studio was like what's next and we've talked about this in the past i think you know that like not the studio sorry the publishing house it's a terrible thing that you know like some people like he said that it took him three years to write that book but the second that you publish it they're like okay what's next so he could tell them like okay well in four years you will have a book well that's not, that's not gonna make us money today so like do you think you could have a book in i don't know 16 months 18 months about 12 months mm-hmm. a first draft Sort of thing. So, like, it push, it puts pressure on people. And I, I think that is not having read Artemis, so there's that. But I think that that's what that book suffered from. 
given the reception that it had. That like he was pressured into writing his second book because he wrote a banger of a first book. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, you're a born novelist, dude. Like you're made to do this. Your first book was fucking great. That is pretty rare. He had written other stuff. He has like a fairly successful short story that kind of put him on the scene a little bit before The Martian. But this thing like put him on the charts, right? Yeah. And then there's the pressure. So I feel like here in Project Hail Mary, there might have been a little bit more of the leeway that kind of made it like you're a rock star writer. Your second book was a bit of a misfire, maybe, but your second, but your first one was amazing. So do whatever the fuck you want, dude. And if it had a bit of polish in my taste, you know, I really don't, I really don't want to yuck anybody's yum, but. <laughs> In my opinion, if that had been polished a little, it could have been amazing. However, the book was fucking awesome. It yeah. is up there with some of my favorite novels, science fiction or otherwise, just because it was fun to read. It was a crazy story. Every page had new ideas and more adventure, and it complicated things more, which is a very difficult thing to do and dangerous thing to do when you're writing that is to like bring more conflict into an already complicated situation right mm -hmm. so i applaud him for that the, the book is absolutely great my opinions on its small faults are here to be vented but yeah. rocky dude fuck like i just love that character oh. so much I want to be friends with Rocky. I know, like, it's cute. When I finished the book, I remember thinking, like, I'm so sad that I, I can't meet Rocky. Like, he's a fictional character. He just seems so sweet. And, like, always willing to help. Like, whenever Ryland was like, I need you to do this, he's like, I do. Like, I make. You know, he was just... There was never any issue. Like, he was just constantly there ready to help and problem solve it's so funny like i i think like yeah andy weir should write first contact stories from now on like you should just write like the adventures of the iridians forever and ever you know like yeah the he was always so excited when like they figured out something they're like what's the problem okay the taumiba are escaping the breeding vats we have to fix them we have to like use a different material build a different material and rocky would be like yes I build. I build better. I build fast. I build now. Yes, yes, yes. And he goes, you know? Yes. He's like so excited. He's so cute. I love him. And I love when they finally breed um, the nitrogen-resistant Taumiba mm -hmm. and they reach their goal of whatever percentage. It was 0.8. Yeah. And Rocky wears his special, like, celebratory oh, oh, clothes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so cute. It's cute. They have, like, jewelry and... Ryland points out that it looks terrible, yeah. but the Iridians don't see, right? Yeah. They don't they, see with eyes. Yeah, they can't see that the yeah, they, they, jewels aren't polished nicely or whatever. Or mostly the colors. They don't yeah. see the colors. It's just like weird browns and splotchy yeah. beige and shit. You know? yeah. So like it doesn't look appealing, but they don't see, so it doesn't have to look. They hear it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was just adorable. Like just, just the Iridians and yeah. Rocky. I just love the development of that character. Yeah. And I love that he made them like alien enough because so so many books, so many movies, so many fiction pieces they suffer from that where they make the aliens human like, humanoid like. Yeah, blue humans. Yeah, Star Trek suffers a lot from that essentially. That like mm -hmm. the humans are all and there's explanations for it and whatnot, but like 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's a pretty good segue to like the idea of panspermia that I thought was a little underdeveloped in the book. Uh, the fact that they just discover, well, obviously they discover each other and they're like, okay, well, there's aliens in a star that is not too far. Actually, we looked this up. 40 Eridani is 17 light years away from Earth, which isn't that bad. Like our closest one is Alpha Centauri, I think. Okay. And I mean, don't take my word for this, but I think it's four or six light years away. The closest one. Okay. So that that's, I mean, like that should ever answer anybody's mm-hmm. like, why have, I have, why haven't aliens visited us? Well, because it's fucking far away. Yeah. Like it takes light four years to reach us. Mm-hmm. And as far as we know, light speed travel is impossible as far as yeah. we understand. And Tau, Tau City is 12 light years away. So... They discover each other, and they're like, holy shit, there's aliens. There, There is other life in the universe. And it became uh, obvious, or sorry, there, it was evident, given a flashback scene in which he meets the Norwegian or Swedish lady. Loken? Or I don't yeah, know if I'm saying Lo- that correctly. Loken. I think she was Norwegian. And... It becomes obvious because he gets pretty angry at her and like calls her an idiot and like uh, he just says it's obvious that like panspermia, the theory of panspermia, that one source has seeded multiple regions of the universe with life that we are not unique in terms of our ancestry. Yeah, that life didn't develop on Earth Isolated. organically, yeah. exactly. Mm. Right? It didn't come from Earth. It came here from space and so must be the case with other places therefore rocky and then when they find the taumiba or essentially they they find adrian mm-hmm. one of the planets orbiting tau seti i can't remember how it was because it was kind of glossed over so like once i've been once i was a few chapters past that point i realized okay i guess we're not gonna this that aspect any further because i guess rylan and rocky were just focused on solving the problem at hand right as quickly as they could i'm 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 sure the scientists on earth and on 40 eridani or what was rock three world is that rocky's planet yeah yeah i'm sure the scientists on on both of those planets will research more into where is this life form from how to develop blah 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 yeah, the, the the point was that, yeah, like the microscopic life in Adrian was the common ancestor of the Iridians in mm-hmm. life on Earth, right? So that, that was his theory, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was kind of like accepted and mm-hmm. they just moved on from that. And like they, from that point on, the, like they made their assumptions based on that, the fact that, you know, they based on that assumption. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I kind of being being interested in that topic, in that idea that, you know, like there is the theory of panspermia and there's the opposing theories that life does develop organically should the conditions be appropriate for life to form. It just kind of nagged me a little bit that it wasn't, you know, like discussed a little further. And I love the idea that like there's not just one life form the astrophage right and then there's rocky that we find and then we find that there's a whole bunch of different microscopic life on adrian and there's an entire biosphere microscopic but a biosphere in that planet 
Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess there is obviously no intention to argue that point or to discuss those aspects any further. This is a self-contained novel. I really don't see this becoming a series. I really hope he doesn't because it works really well as a standalone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would love to learn what the scientists on Earth would have done once they figured out it's these Taumiba that can save us and all of the research they're going to do following that. It would have been cool to discover that, but it's nice how it ends kind of on a happy note, but also not everything is answered, right? The ending of the book. I really like the ending, though. Yeah, the that, ending that, was so cute. It was very strong, I think, that yeah. I didn't see that coming, That not from far away, anyway, that Ryland was going to send off the probes and, or the, what are they called? The Beatles. Yeah, the Beatles. But where were they, though? What they are they? they are probes. I mean, they're drones, yeah. right? Like, they are self-navigating yeah, that's not the fucking proper term. Anyway, that he would say that he would send the 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 Beatles. <laughs> I can't take that seriously. That he would send them back to Earth, and that he would go and rescue Rocky because so he realized. Happy. I know. I mean, he would have been the most evil person in the world if he didn't go back to save Rocky. Mm-hmm. But it's nice that he did because, <laughs> I, like, it was so sad when Ryland, like, even before. He said, oh, shit, I forgot about Rocky. Even before that, I was like, what about Rocky? Because if this is happening to Ryland, it's obviously happening to Rocky. So I was so concerned for Rocky, and I'm so happy he went back. Yeah. Poor Rocky. He didn't really hesitate, though, and that made sense. That would be no. like, any, anybody would be like, yeah, I mean, I, I have this, like, incredibly horrible voyage back to Earth. I'm going to go back to Earth and it's going to be completely different. Maybe it's destroyed by this point. Yeah, all maybe, my friends might be dead. Yeah, like, maybe, maybe I'm going back to Mad Max, essentially. Yeah, you know, like there's yeah. horrible, accelerated, reverse climate change. We're going back to... It'd be like frigid Mad Max, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not like he made this huge sacrifice by going to save Rocky. But it was still a nice thing yeah. to do. The stakes are pretty high, though. Like he could have not found them. When he says, yeah. when like he describes the methods he uses to try and find Blip A, mm-hmm. Rocky's ship. It was difficult. So there's a lot of convenience there, for sure. Yeah, he was lucky to find the ship. but And it was just so cute how Rocky, how happy Rocky was when he realized Grace came back for mm-hmm. him. Oh. You're saying his name. Like, I keep calling him Ryland and you call him Grace, and that reminds me of this thought well, that I, I had. I call him both, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it reminds me of the, this thought that I had, like, uh, it came to me when, at one point, Ryland describes the fact that like it was just called Project Hail Mary for whatever reason, but it could have been called, you know, Muhammad's amazing ship or uh, Vishnu's vengeance or something like that. Yeah. It's like some alliter- alliter- fuck. I have trouble with that word. Alliterative name given, you know, like the Hail Mary or whatever. Yeah. But then I thought, like, okay, so like the ship is called Hail Mary, and the occupant is called Grace, Mary full of Grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what do a, you make of that? Intentional. Yeah, but what do you make of that though? I don't know. I guess it's just the it's the the ship was like the last effort kind of crazy this is our last chance to the kind of like it's just in, in popular language when you say it was a Hail Mary, it means it was like mm-hmm. their last hope, this better work sort of thing. Or or Andy Weir is saying 
that God is real. Checkmate, atheists. <laughs> Burn. Burn. Yeah, no. I thought of that and I was like, holy shit, that's totally like intentional. But what is it? Because like there's obviously no any other. I don't think I'm it was. I'm pretty sure he says he's atheist. Uh, yeah, I don't Ryland think it was, says he's atheist. I don't think it was meant to be like, God will save us sort of thing. <laughs> I think it was just the the concept of a Hail Mary. Is, <laughs> like this is our last final hope. Oh, it's, yeah, you know, I guess. This that. crazy plan better work sort of thing. Yeah, but. I liked the ending of the book a lot. It was cute how Ryland went to live on Rocky's planet and had his little dome. Mm-hmm. And it was just so sweet and how him and Rocky became such close friends. Friends for life. Yeah, and it is, you know, a punchy scenes there at the end where he's essentially eating human flesh. Oh, like his they, own flesh. Yeah, they figured out a way to clone his own flesh and, and grow it in labs. Which, I mean, when you think about, like, the crazy shit we do to animals, it's not that weird. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of funny in that he, they made the walls of his dome translucent so he can look outside. But that doesn't matter because his... Dark. I can't remember. They said that, like, the planet was really close to the sun, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think it's because of the atmosphere. He was explained oh, to that's some right. Yeah, that no, the like atmosphere the, is so dense. It's really thick. That's right. So it doesn't look right. light. Yeah, light Much doesn't. So like, yeah, they're they're blind because they have no need to see because you can't see. It's yeah. just like straight up dark outside. Yeah. But yeah, he said that like if he flashed his flashlight outside, he could sometimes see uh, an Iridian walking around. Yeah, doing just their do, thing. Doing their thing. That's yeah. right. But yeah, the ending, the very last moment of the book, I thought it was really cute that like he gets to be a teacher mm-hmm. and teach a science course to baby Iridians to aliens. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really cool. And it, it is nice that he learns that Earth received the beetle. Oh, yeah. And, like, they, they stopped the um, astrophage from further damaging. Like, the sun was recovering. Yeah, they, they can see our star has gone back to its full yeah. brightness. Yeah, so that was a really good moment. So you know yeah. that all of this effort paid off. I mean, who knows what happened on Earth? It could have... Like they said, half the population could have died by that point. All this disaster, but at least all of Ryland's... <laughs> Which is the most realistic part of the book. <laughs> yeah, but at least all of his and Rocky's efforts paid off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that was a nice thing. Like it, it didn't go into too much detail. Like it didn't have a final scene back on Earth with, you know, the scientists receiving the data and all that. It was kind of left unanswered in that respect. But at least, you know... That he quote unquote saved the earth, saved the planet. I know, I love the end. Yeah. And for the most part, aside from those little issues that we discussed, I think a little more at length than they actually took space in the novel. This it it is just a, such a fun book to read. Mm-hmm. It is such a fun book to read. It's an adventure, but it's peppered with hard science fiction. It's got. So much for you to learn if you pay attention, but told in a fun way, in a non-didactic, but adventure-like. It just embodies so many things that I love about literature and science fiction both. It is a fantastic book. Really amazing. Like, we both loved it. And I just, like I said earlier, I think Rocky is one of my favorite characters in recent memory i just right. i feel such love towards rocky i know what i'm getting and you for your birthday yes then. a rocky plushie <laughs> well, i'll get you a real one for and just 
yeah, just the themes of like friendship and teamwork in the book are just really heartwarming and just really sweet. It was just nice, optimistic, positive book and exciting and page turner awesomeness. It was indeed. And that is the best note to end this on. If you have books like this that you love that share similarities with Andy Weir's Project Hail Mary, please let us know because we will read the shit out of them. Yes. Send us an email to apartmentlibrarypodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.